Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, I've been, uh, I've been watching The Undercover Boss, and, and lovely Joanne got me into it. And I didn't like it at first. And, but what I've noticed is, you know, it, it's, it's inspirational, makes you feel good. But they have to do something with the makeup. I don't know who their makeup artist is, but it sucks. I swear to God. It's like every, put it this way, if you're in a job and a guy walks in with a really crappy wig and cheap glasses, I guarantee you're an undercover boss. And it's like, it's like, I mean, I swear to God, I saw a guy walking with like Groucho Marx glasses and a 99 cent store wig. And they sit there and I mean, how can you not tell? I mean, you're sitting there and this guy just comes in out of nowhere for one day. He works this job. It's going to be a reality show. And they do it. And then these people always sit there and they tell them his, their life story after like three hours. I have good, good, dear friends I've known for 20 years that I don't tell some of my secrets to. And these people, in like 10 minutes, they're sitting there and saying how, you know, they have nine kids or, or they, they were in rehab. People just don't talk like that. And then the boss gets into it. Anyway, that's my thing on the Undercover Boss. Watch it, though. It is a good, it's an uplifting show because they always, people always get stuff except the one guy for, from Bikinis. He wanted to give the girl a boob job. That was actually his, like, people go, I'll get you money for a house. He goes, I'll get you a boob job if you do your good job for six months. Anyway, enough about that. We have a great show today. We have a, a, a very a very accomplished musician, singer. You're all over the board. My guest is uh, Dion Estes. How you doing, Dion? I'm doing good. Thank you. So you got quite the background because you know I, you grew up you grew up in the Detroit the Detroit area, right? Yeah. Now now when did you start singing? Were you did you grow up around a musical family or? Well, I started. I've been singing all my life. Actually, I I used to sing with the. Uh, when I was younger, I used to sing with the Philadelphia Philharmonic Orchestra. Okay. Under um, with James Frazier. So I started singing at a young age, um, singing, you know, ever since I can remember, really. Now, now you said you sang with the Philadelphia Phil, uh, Philharmonic. Did you, were you going to Philadelphia to sing? Because you grew up in Detroit. Because I grew up yeah. right near Philadelphia. So. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I used to sing at the Robin Hood Dale there. Okay, I remember that yeah. place. And um, with James Frazier. James Frazier was one of the great black conductors. I mean, he died a long time ago, but he was a fabulous, fabulous conductor. And um, I did that for a while. When I, that's when I was in school. And, um, you know, I've been singing ever since. Now, was your family musical, or what made you get my, into the singing? My, my, father was, my father was very musical. He's also, um, he's also one of the deans and principals at um, uh, Michigan State. And he played, like, um, he played a lot of different instruments. And my mother was, worked with the Veterans Administration, and she was also, like, a criminal psychiatrist, but she was an upright bass player. Okay. You know, but I'm the only child, so... I've been playing music since, uh, I don't know, since I was 10, 10 years old. That's so cool because it's so funny because a lot of people, I feel for to be a good musician, a lot of times, I know people who started later, but when you start young, it's just in you. Yeah. And the thing is, now when you were a kid and you were singing, did you just want to sing or did you want to start playing an instrument? Because I know you became a bass player, but what did you want to do when you were a kid? Oh, I played, I played classical piano, I played drums, I played guitars, I played saxophone and everything. In school, I played all those things. So as a kid, you're playing all these instruments, yeah. and that's, that's pretty kick-ass. I mean, that must be cool. There must people... I had cool parents, man. And um, I guess, um, thank God, I was the only child. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> what, now, what kind of music did you listen to growing up? Because it seems like your parents were very hip, and they seems like they probably were sort of an eclectic taste. Yeah, I listen to all kinds of music, man. Um, I, I love classical music. I, I love jazz. Um, everything. Everything. You know, of course, Motown was a big influence. I mean, you know, James Jameson was my bass teacher, so I, you know, I studied with him for a while, and you know, just a, a lot of different influences. Now you're a ten year old kid, and you're getting this musical. You know, you start the music. Now, did you know at that point you wanted this to be your career? Did you say I want to be a musician? Yes. Yes. So, what path did you take to do that? I mean, you already had success singing with the Philadelphia stuff like that. What path did you do to get there? Like through high school, did you start a band or what happened? I I was in all kinds of bands. I had a band. I was in a band called Brainstorm in the seventies, and we were signed with um, Taboo, and we had had a big record, man. Uh, you know, traveled all over, and been, I've been traveling ever since I can remember. So. Know? So the band, I always wonder, like, how do you put a, I always ask musicians to come on this, how do you put a band together? Because it, I would think, you know, it's like, you know, if I have a guest on, it's fine. You know, if you do, you know, I mean, I had a comedy troupe years ago, and you have to get people that sync. But bands, you really have to get people that, not one, that are comparable to your personality, because you're together, but then two, they have to be comparable to your talent. Because if you're like a great bass player, and your friend is really cool, and you get along, but he sucks at guitar, and you can't keep him in a band. I mean, how did you guys put your first band, first bands together? 
Um, you know, we just sort of, you know, I, I mean, it, it throughout, um, you know, throughout my youth, I mean, every every group that I got involved with, I guess I was fortunate that they, they actually could play. And, you know, I would search people out. You know, when you're in junior high school, you check out people and go, yeah, he's cool. You know, and you go to the gigs or you go out and you hear people and, you know, say, hey, man, you want to get together? And, you know, a lot of those things started in my parents' basement. Hey, man, come on over, man, you know, playing your guitar. And you, you sat down there and played and. I said, okay, we need a drummer. Who are we going to get? And he said, oh, yeah, I hit this guy over at such and such a high school. It's really good, man. And let's go check him out. And, um, you know, that's sort of how... See, it's cool that your uh, it's cool that your parents were cool because playing in the basement. Cause, they were cool. Because see, my my brother played the drums, and it always pissed me off because originally they had it set in like the den, and I'd be wanting to watch TV, and he'd be playing the drums, and I was the youngest, so I didn't yeah. I didn't get any credit. And then he would put it down in a basement, and it was cool. But it was like it takes a, a certain parent to let the kids practice because you guys are young, you're just jamming, and you know, and you don't know what you're jamming. And your parents, I mean, they must have such tolerance. It must have been great. Yeah, they they were cool. I mean, I, I had I had gigs. I remember, um, you know, my father. I remember my father got a brand new Cadillac, and I had this massive amp, uh, Vox Reflex cabinet. It was massive. And um, I remember him telling me, you're not putting that in my car. Maybe in your mother's car, but you're not, you're not messing up my car. But they were very supportive. So, very supportive. Uh, see, that's cool. Because remember, it's weird because the, 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 the size of things have changed so much. I mean, you've been in the business for a long time. I yeah. mean, the amps were huge. And I remember even just the speakers, like on your house stereo, like when someone had these huge-ass speakers, massive. you're like, oh, my God, that's the best. Yeah. Now that same has the same output from like a little teeny yeah, speaker yeah so so you're you're in this band so your first band that started you know getting work was uh it was what was it called you um well it, it wasn't the first band but i mean I, I i was in many bands i had a, i had a lot of different groups a lot of different groups and and all different you know uh i used to sing with the uh i used to play with the um a singing group called Tiddler, tillis butler and the motifs um and we would do songs like 50 Mention or Out in the Country, okay. or, you know, that type of thing. And we would do gigs downtown at the um, Detroit Festival on the waterfront. And, and just lots of lots of di different things. Now, when you did the gigs, I mean, and, uh, were you nervous at all? Because, I mean, especially because you were, I guess, when you're young, I think a lot of times you have no fear. Like going on stage is just second nature. Did you just have no problem getting yeah, up there? I, I was I was never nervous. See that's that's so cool. So so now you sit there and you're playing, you know, in this other band, and then I know you played with Marvin Gaye. Yeah. Now how did how did that happen? Just being like a kid from Detroit with Motown and everything in your background and having a whole eclectic sound. I mean, it must have been amazing. Were you totally flattered when he asked you to play? Well, I, I, Marvin, Diana, Barry. I mean, I lived around the corner from them, so you know, I would go to Motown and and, and sometimes and, and hang out and play. My father would take me there. Um, you know, it's um, a lot of people there. Um, and, um, you know, I would hang out. He would let me, my dad would let me hang out for a little while. He wouldn't let me hang out too much. And so I, I, I was this little kid who could really play. Okay. And so. When you say little kid, how old were you? Uh, I don't know about um, then, you know, you're talking about 14. Okay. 14 years old, you know, and, I'm, and, and, and I could play. And I wanted to hang out with everybody. You know, I said, Dad, I want to hang out with right. Robinson, not on your life. <laughs> yeah. You can forget it. He's like, I know what's going on there. <laughs> it's like, you know, you, you, can, you can forget it. And, um, and uh, so, I mean, later on in life, as I began, you know, as I started making my own, more records on my own and going to California and stuff, um, Marvin, Marvin called me from Belgium, like in, in this 1979. Okay. When I went to Belgium. So you, you're, 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 you're young. I was, you're, I was young, but I was grown. Yeah, but the thing is, so you get it. I was it, already I, in California. Already okay, in so you, no, now, what brought you to California? Um, the first time I came to California was my group, Brainstorm. We were on Taboo Records. Jerry Peters, who did Earth, Wind & Fire, produced our records. Um, it was fabulous. And we toured all over, all over the United States. And, um, and then I ended up coming back out on my own. I came back out on my own, and... Um, I went to a club called Josephina's. Okay. On Victoria, on um, Ventura and Woodman, or something like that, years ago. And that same, I, I think that I just got off the airplane and I went to this this club, and then I met, um, got the gig with Harvey Mason and you know um, Frank Zappa and okay. Andrew and all those people were there and everybody was at this place. So 
from then I started working a lot out here. So you're out here, and then Marvin Gaye calls and says, come to Belgium. Now, had you been out of the country before? Um, no. So, I mean, that, no. must, that must be great. In Belgium, I heard, it's a very, it's a very cool place. They have good beer. And, you know, just, just before he called, I was in that mood. I said, I'm ready to leave. Okay. Because I had done... I had, I, you know, I was playing with a lot of people and playing with Harvey Mason. He was great to me and, um, and a lot of people, you know, and, you know, Harvey always played with Chuck Rainey. So these are, you know, Quincy Jones. This is the the, the higher echelon of the sessions. This is, a, you know, you really couldn't get any bigger than that. And um, I did Harvey Mason's album with him. And um, and that was a good album, too. And um, Marvin called me and um, and I left and I never came back. I stayed for 25 years. Where'd you stay? Um, well, after I left Belgium, after I left Marvin, I went to Ireland. Okay. Well, I got to ask you about Marvin. What was it like playing with him? Because, I mean, Fantastic. he was such a legend and Fantastic. he it's just such a voice. And, you know, it's so funny. He's one of those artists that people just keep listening to him. He, he gets reinvented, I think, because younger kids, like sometimes you lose, the younger kids don't get it. But it's like so many of his songs come back and they're just Amazing. such kick ass. Amazing. Were you nervous at all playing with him because he was such no. a master? Or? No, I wasn't. The thing about Marvin is, as soon as I, as soon as I got to him, I, I, as soon as I got to Belgium, I remember us having this conversation. I said, Marvin, I love you, um, I respect you. I said, but I'd rather write songs and sing with you, and uh, than, than play bass. And this is where I'm coming from. Just, you know, I'm not really a, and you know, I'm an artist too. And he laughed. <laughs> And he said, no one's ever said that to me. Everybody, he said, I like you because you came out and you were honest. And uh, we, we, were, we were great friends, man. See, that's cool. And it, 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 showed, it showed that you were more than a, you know, just a bass. That's yeah. great because people yeah. don't, you know how it is in this business. Yeah. People are like kissing ass. They go, oh, you know, just yeah. glad to be somewhere. So, you, so you're in Belgium. You play with him. And then you go to, now how do you choose Ireland? Now, what well, happens there? Well, um, what happened was when I was in Belgium, um, when I was in Belgium, I, I played with Marvin. Then I, then I, then I went to do another solo album with Bill Whelan, Bill Whelan, who wrote Riverdance. Okay. Okay. And there is when I met Bono from YouTube. We were all in the same studio. Um, a, a lot of people, you know, um, Phil Lennon. Um, Phil, I live with Phil Lennon. Okay. Okay. Um, when I first got to Ireland, I saw no black people. No black people at all. And it was like a dream. I saw this guy with an afro. Okay. <laughs> and we're running in slow motion to each other, right? And, and I'm going, oh, my God. I've been, you know, I've been out in Europe and haven't seen many, many, many brothers, you know? So this guy's got this fro, and he's running towards me, you know? I don't have a clue who he is. And he gives me all the American handshake, you know? Yeah, bro. What right. the? And then he speaks. And I'm like, pure Irish. <laughs> And I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted, you know. I go, wow. And he, he was um, he was a great friend, too. And I stayed there and recorded. I love Ireland. And then when I was there, I got a call from um, a publisher called Dick Leahy, who said, I got this young kid named George Michael, man. And George is 16 years old. Okay. So like said, I got this young kid uh, named George Michael. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, I heard about you. And, I, and can you come over to London and meet this guy and write with this guy and sing with this guy or whatever? And I did, and that was just after we did sexual healing. Okay. Okay. And and Marvin wanted me to stay, and I was trying to tell Marvin, I don't, I'm, I'm not going back to America for a long time. And I, and I was trying to tell him, you should stay here. Don't go back. You know, you're number one again, man. Stay here. Just go tour and come back. Did you just like the lifestyle over there? Is that why you wanted to stay there, or just? Yes. I mean, what was the yes. reasons why? Well, well, you know, it's it's like when you're you learn more about yourself when you're somewhere else, when you have to fit in somewhere else. And from America, you know, we're, we're raised to be, um, you know, we're tough and we're competitive, but that didn't work in Europe. The more aggressive I was, the less work I got. Okay. Um, and then I finally got it, that it's completely backwards. <laughs> right. Completely the opposite. Whatever you're doing... <laughs> you <have> to <laughs> well, it's also probably they also sit there and you know when you're so if you're really pushy and aggressive, even if you don't have a lot of talent, at times you can get work. And you notice that in America, but over there they probably said, okay, you know what, we want talented people. Well, it's laid back. If you if you got talent, it'll speak for itself. Right. So you don't have to brag so much. You don't have to flaunt it. You know they they don't flaunt it like we flaunt it here. You know, and and um, so I began to get into that, and um, after after a while. You know, I, I, I started understanding, hey, this this is really cool. And and I learned more about myself as a person. So 
so now, so you're living there, and you're like, okay, I'm staying here. I dig this. And then, so you you meet up with a 16 year old, and it's so funny to think now, like a young, because I mean, I I was in college when that all the choose life shirt. Yeah. Oh, we, yeah. oh, you oh, know yeah. So oh, you yeah. meet him. Now, did you think well, when, the, you, day, when you, the day we did wake me up before you go go is the day Marvin got Marvin died? Oh wow, okay. And that's why I played the baseline like that because they called me and said Marvin died, and I said you guys are bullshitting me, right? You, you can't be real, right? So when I was in the studio that same day. Mm-hmm. We recorded, wait a minute, we got to say, I'm going to play like I played with Marvin. You know, like the Motown, that that feel. See, that's so cool. Now, when you when you met George, did you think he would become, and did you th- I mean, you, you know people, you play with a lot of people. Did you think that, I mean, he was, it, wham, they were, I mean, bigger than yeah. big. I mean, they yeah. played Live Aid in Philly, they played a lot. Of course. Did you, did you know, did you think that, okay, he's going to become this big yeah. icon? Yeah, because 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 the, the when I teamed up with him, um, it just seemed it we fit it just everything seemed to fit the you know the bass lines the grooves i mean we we it was just sort of like that and it was cool and, and i loved andrew too so you know um it, it just worked so you sat there and you were playing bass for them and now you're seeing them grow bigger and bigger what's that like to be sitting there with a band that's getting so huge it was massive overnight massive it happened so quick it happened quick. Yeah, because I think about it. You know, it's funny because it's one of those things, and it's now, you know, MTV has all crap on it. But back then, if you saw a video and people liked the video and they liked the sound, everyone wanted to see it again. Yeah, and yeah. then everyone, and they would start playing it again and again and again. Yeah. So what, are you in the video? Yeah. So so what was that like? Did they, did, did, I mean, Great. all of a sudden, you're with this, it's this kid that you're playing with and you know, you've, and all of a sudden they become huge. How does that change for you? Because you, you're all of a sudden, you're looking at playing in, in huge venues. Yeah. Is, is that a little scary? Cause no, you're playing in a big crowd or what was that like? I love it, man. I love it. I'm an entertainer. That's what we do. Right. So, you know, um, it, it was just great to be a part of, to be a part of that that writing team, to be a part of that groove. It was fantastic, and at all times they, you know, it, that's, I, I used to tell people I'm the third member of Wham because that's the way they treated me. Never once did I ever feel like I was a background musician. Okay, and me and George had a very very close relationship for many years. So, see, that's cool because it's like anything. And he's a cool guy. He's very talented, and and, and it was a blast. Uh, yeah, it's because you think it's like you are, and it is you. It's just the difference is, you know, it's like Bruce Springsteen and East Street Band. You know, they're still the band. You're you're a part of the band. Yeah, yeah. And that's cool they did it because a lot of times you can get egos. And, and yeah. the thing is, so you're playing with them, and they're becoming huge. I mean, what was it like going playing these huge venues? And just like, what was the life like on the road? Because every, all the young girls, I'm concert, they all went crazy over Wham. They were like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Yes. It was, it was fabulous, man. I enjoyed it. And um, you know, I, I I love the big shows. I love the road. I love it. So we had a we had a great time. Now, Wham lasted for how long? Wham lasted for until that Wham final, and that was fantastic too. That last show at the Wembley Stadium, man, was something else. The Wham final. Okay, so everyone knew it was going to be the last concert. It was the last show, man. And was, now, did that make you sad because you know? Yeah, you- well, well, the the cool thing about that is that. George was growing. He wanted to go solo. I went solo, but we were still together. Okay. So I did all this solo stuff, and we wrote a beautiful song together. That was and I had a number one record and number one, number five, um, and um, it was great. So as we're growing, you know, he and you could tell in the music as Kelly's whisper, you know, you could see, wow, he's 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 he, this this teen bop teen. T- teenager pop stuff is going is gone and now he's 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 going somewhere else so you sit there and you're playing and now you decide you said you wanted to go solo now is that i mean it was, it was cool now what made you decide that you wanted to do that i mean was it because you were sitting there and you were the third member of wham and you you had more you know probably could be easier to get a deal for you because you were you know had you had a good respect in the business yeah but what made i mean a lot of people wouldn't take that step to go solo what made you decide to do that i mean did you feel confident in your singing and your writing yeah because yeah. you're taking a lot on yeah i did but i remember i was solo but i was solo before george right I was already making. I was making records long before George. So, for um, for me, it was just a, it was just a. That's what I wanted to do when I was in when I was in Dublin. That's what I was doing. I was I was doing my solo stuff. Now, what's your writing process? Everyone is something different because you know you have to write. For me, it always fascinates me that people can you know write both lyrics and music because I have no musical talent. I'm so uninclined. I can't even 
pick up an instrument. What is, I mean, what is your, do you sit there and lay the lyrics down or do you, do you lay the music down or it depends what mood you're in? I mean, how, how would you sit there? Like if I said, hey, you know what, can you, can, I want to see, I want to follow you around for a week and see your writing process. What is your writing process like? Well, so, a lot of times it's different. I mean, it's no, it's no set way. I mean, sometimes I'm, sometimes I can just hear things, you know, in my head. And I, I go to the piano and and, and, and and I work it out. Um, other times you, you other times I get um, I have the music and the and the lyrics come at the same time, and then sometimes you just have a bass groove, you know, and you go, oh yeah, that's cool, you know, and you think about it for a while, and then you start humming to that, and you know, you get a melody, and so it's no real format for me because I I love to write, but I tend to think about things in my life or experiences I've had and. and and, and just see how I'm feeling, basically. And of course, traveling, when you're in different places, you know, um, or, or a different country, I, 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 w- I was always writing. So all that touring that we did in my room, I used to have that tapes and all kinds of recorders with me. And I used to record in my, in my hotel room all the time. You know, see that that's cool. That's because like, it's like you know, and I, I when I did comedy, I was on the road, and people always think the road is glorified, but it's sort of boring. I mean, it, it, it's not. It's not. If you want to sit there and be the crazy guy, you can. But if you're just a mellow person, the the road is is it's sort of solitary. It's nice. I mean, for me, I like the road because I love meeting people, and I like going places I haven't been before. And and you know when you. If you le- if you go to a different country, a different place, if you learn the music, then you learn the heart of the people. If you learn Irish, and you learn, and you're in I- Ireland, and you learn that music, you can kind of understand what's going on there. So, I did a lot of that while I was there. You know, playing with other bands and all kinds of you know, all kinds of groups, just to get in the groove and go, yeah, that's cool, man. That's really you know, and then put my little twist on it, and 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 you know. Now, now, you said, you know, because you travel a lot. What were some of your favorite countries to go to? And then what are some of your favorite uh, countries, their musical, I mean, their music? What are some, I mean, is there certain countries you said, this was so great because I played this type of music? Like you said, Ireland, you know, and Ireland, I love I love that Celtic sound. I love, you yeah. know, that thing. But what were some of the other countries that you just loved performing at and just breaking away and, as you I said, mean, finding other people? When you go to Vienna, you know. The, the orchestra there is a uh, mile. The music is just amazing. Uh, every, every, everywhere has something good. Okay. You know, there's not a place I, I everywhere I go, I seem to find something that, that, that works out. So that means, okay, so, so I mean, what, you, know, you play all instruments, you, you know, because you said when you sit there, when you pick the piano and you play the bass lines. Okay. Now for you, what is your, do you have a favorite instrument? Piano and bass. Okay, so they're your two, but, but you, do, you, do you know how to play drums and all yeah, that too? yeah. So how did, okay, that always amazes me. Like, so you can basically go into the studio and you can play the whole thing if you wanted to. I could do. Now, you don't, I'm sure. I mean, I have done that before. I have done that before, but you know, for me, I love teamwork. Okay. So I love, you know, collaborating with people and, uh, and other people because, uh, you know, I, sure I can play everything myself, but you know, that, that's cool. But I like working with people. So you know, you're, it, and that's the magic when you can work with other people and you you, you find that groove together and you go, wow, this is really cool. I can imagine it's probably and plus just the energy coming off each other. Yeah. So so okay, well I'm gonna get back to when when Wham, you knew it was the last show. Then you went on to play with George Michael. Yeah. So, what was that like? I mean, because was I mean, did was was Andrew like? Did you guys miss Andrew? I mean, it, it, I mean, what happens? Because well, George and Andrew. I, I mean, I miss Andrew. I mean, George George and Andrew have been. They've been partners forever, long before I was there. I mean, they they were kids together, and so um, yeah. I mean, we miss Wham, but you know, the George Michael show, the Faith tour, all those shows were fantastic, fantastic. And um, I, you know, I we had, we kept having fun and we kept going around the world. So so I mean, okay, you gotta you gotta you gotta open up to me about this. I and mean, what is it like? And you know, and and you know, because you've seen it, and people don't. You know, the most people will never get the chance. You're you're performing with possibly at the time one of the, if not the biggest, one of the biggest musical stars in the world. Not just like someone in the U.S., but in the world. So you're traveling, and you're just you're a kid from Detroit, and then you're sitting there, and you're traveling, and I could imagine the magnitude of the accommodations. I mean, I'm sure it's all right up there what is i mean tell me like what is a day like let's say you guys fly into hong kong okay i'm sure you played hong kong now what what is your day like being 
a rock star. I mean, basically, because that's what you guys were. You, I mean, what? It's not like you sit there and you yeah. pull up in a bus and you check into the hotel. What is it like, and what is to be around just the bedlam? It must drive you crazy. It's, it, you, it's, you sort of get used to it. I mean, you know, you it's a routine, though. You know, you've got a lot of people in the crew. It's a big crew. You know, it's okay. a crew of 200 people or 150 people, you know, you're traveling with. So it's a lot of people. And, you know, you have the road manager. You have everybody that's getting you together. The cool thing about it is you really don't have to think about doing anything. You, all you have to do is be there. And they, they'll get you in the right place where you're supposed to be. And so, you know, you get off the plane, you know, um, Maybe the gigs. Maybe you have two days before the gig. Maybe you have a day before the gig. You know me. I I'm out seeing the town and you know this is great. You know and shopping and doing whatever. And um, you know then you have your routine. You you wake up. Um, you go to sound check. I would always play frisbee. I'm a frisbee fanatic. So. You play frisbee golf. I play frisbee golf, but man, people. I know people who. I, I know guys who are showing that they have different frisbees. But, yeah, but I I I love to play frisbee in the stadium. Oh wow. There's nobody in there. See, that's I, I, would, I would have the guys 100 feet up in the air, the lighting crew, throwing frisbees at me. Nobody, and no, there's no wind, man. See, it's that's fantastic. that's what, that's what it's like being a rock star. The only frisbees I did in the stadium was back when I go to concerts, in like the Spectrum in Philadelphia, and we, and everyone back then would bring a frisbee. I don't right. know if and everyone would throw them. That's what, so you're sitting there, you're throwing a well, frisbee. Well, that was my daily exercise. I would play frisbee like two or three hours every day. Really? Every day. Right before I went on stage, I would be throwing that frisbee backstage. Who to who? Just one, one, the whole band. The band, okay. but the band, the drummer was playing with me. Um, the guitar players would play. It, it got to be where every, you know, everywhere we went, Australia, what? everywhere. It was a big thing for me. You know, I put my gloves on. I dress up for it. And um, what would you wear? What, what's a frisbee outfit? What do you? I don't know. I wear some <laughs> white pants, some white gloves, man. Uh, you know, some. Uh, we have the ball. Where did this love of the frisbee come from? It's cool, I, but where did it... I've been playing frisbee for a long time, man. It's one of the things. It makes me flexible. Keeps your reflexes quick. It's but I play it like you play tennis. Okay. Not frisbee. I play it very fast. You you shoot long. You run. You get it. You catch it. You return. You back and forth. Now, you know what's funny? Because we used to also play it on the beach. I wonder, I mean, and the frisbee was fun, but you don't hear people talking about frisbee anymore. I and love frisbee. I man. think it's because these kids are just punks. I, I call them punks. They're sitting there inside. They don't want to get out. Frisbee is fun. You can play, and you can play frisbee anywhere. You don't anywhere. need a ball. You just need one disc and open space. Anywhere. We could throw a frisbee right yeah, here if I had yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Even yeah. though if I should have brought a little, if I knew I would brought one of those little frisbees, <laughs> we could have thrown it during the interview. So so your your so so your day as a rock star okay this is this is why I love this stuff you sit there and so you go in the sound check and then you're playing frisbee in a huge stadium like not I mean and we're not talking like a huge stadium huge and so so you do that and so you play frisbee for a few hours you get your exercise yeah. because I guess it's people don't understand when you're on stage as a musician you guys move around a lot you have to be in yeah. good shape yeah. I mean you can't be a fatty else you're going to be yeah. in trouble yeah. so you do that and then you, you go back to the hotel after that um once you do sound check yeah you go back to the hotel. And now, then you, you you come back, and now, do they, do they feed you? Yeah. Or, I mean, do you have a certain place to eat, or do you, have, yeah, do you go they, to the restaurant? Yeah, they feed you. They have catering. So, um, you know, all that's taken care of. You know, you come to, the, you go to sound check, then you go back, then you, you might eat, and then, um, then it's time for the gig. And so you come back, and now everyone, I'm sure, you're going in a separate limo than George, because everyone's going probably going crazy on his limo. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's that like to be stuck in the middle of, because I'm sure it's happened to you. I mean, do you get claustrophobic? I mean, when you sit there and there's, th I mean, it's like, I mean, I, and especially I've seen like the, when you see some of the footage from uh, Asia, those girls, they go, I mean, it's, it's whatever we do in America, their fanaticism is 40 times more. I mean, and it must be scary. Is it scary? Because it's, it's a ton of people, not a lot of security. Well, we have security, but it's just, I mean, you know, you just, um, you, you, you sort of get used to it. You sort of get used to it. But it is amazing, the feeling, to see it. It's like the it was like the Beatles. Right. It really was. I mean, you know, it's just, you know, sometimes the airports would be like that and just people everywhere. And, um, you know, it's um, quite amazing. So and, it's, and you realize that, you have a, that you're blessed and you have a special gift that people, um, people adore you and, and really want to be close to you. And then, which makes you have a much more serious side of, you know, of what you're singing about or what you're talking about. Because you, you know? have to be good. You have all these people who love you. You want to produce. Yeah, yeah you want to produce and, and, and you want to be saying something. You want to be saying something that makes a difference. You know what I mean? You know, good songs are something that's going to last. And, and that's the great thing about what I liked about working with George was these songs, some of these songs are just unbelievable. 
and, and even now, some of those songs are, are fantastic. Like it's not a Christmas goes it goes by that you don't hear last Christmas. Oh yeah, always. That's a, that's so funny because a great song. Yeah, and that's because I, I love Christmas songs and I look for them. You know, and I, I'm I'm one of those guys. You know, it's like I love that song. I love. Uh, um, Christmas and Hollis by Run DMC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, growing up back east, it's not Christmas till I hear Santa Claus is Coming to Town by yeah. Springsteen. But you're right, the songs are are so, they're still around. So, so I got a question for you. Now, what if, what if you can sum up in just a sentence, the moment before, you know, when you're playing with George and there's the moment coming up, you know, and there's a hundred, I mean, 80,000, whatever fans, and you feel the energy, what goes through your head I mean, you know you're going to kick ass because you're going on to this and you're you're psyched. But what what goes through your head that moment when they say, you know, when you guys when you sit there and you walk onto the stage? I mean, it's one thing to be backstage, but when you walk onto the stage and you see these people going crazy, what goes through your head? Normally, normally I'm pretty calm about that. Um, and you know, I'm just thinking that I'm, you know, all the time I'm, I'm grateful that um, you know, that I had the opportunity to be there, and you know. You always sort of think God, and I, I get very quiet, you know, and take a moment to myself, get quiet, relax, sort of meditate, just sort of chill, and, and hope that, um, you know, the gift that God gave me comes through. I don't really think about it. You, it's really amazing when you, when you, people say, oh, you did this and you did that, and sometimes you don't even know, really? I did that? You know, it's like something else happens when you get there, you know, and you just, you know, you can be, you can feel free and feel um you know feel at ease that you know you, you know rehearsals over you know the you know the parts you know you don't have to think about anything right. you know so just be calm and, and and let it happen well what what's the biggest crowd you think you ever played in front of 200,000 people rock and real 200 okay and rock and real is a, that's funny i just saw a commercial cuz i says they do it every year it's a huge festival who was when you played it who were some of the bands on it oh my god everybody um Everybody in you could think of, um, Steven Tyler, um, Prince, um, everybody, everybody. There were seventy-five bands in the same hotel. That that, that must have been a fun hotel. Um, it was a riot. <laughs> well, you know, this was a long time ago. Right. This is this is back when people partied. This, this is back when <laughs> rock and reel was you know was new. Okay. Now it must be so weird because when you're playing in front of two hundred thousand people. You can probably only, I mean, you're probably just looking into a, a sea of people. And, and I would always feel bad for the person in the very back because they're not seeing anything. I mean, what's it like to just to see people? I mean, it's great. It, it's, I mean, it must I mean, be amazing. I mean, you see the lighters, and you see the lighters all go up. It's just like a big wall of fire, you know, as far as the eye can see. And um, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of fun, though. So now, after you, you, after you were with George, you, uh, you put out a solo album. When you put on solo album, and now what was that like? Because I know you shot a video, and then you had the, the hit. What was the, what was the hit off that album? The hit was called. I had a, the hit here was called "Heaven Help Me." Then uh, one in Europe was called "It Was It Was um, Heaven Help Me Too." But me of the rumors and spell. Okay, now "Heaven Help Me" it went to like five on the dance chart. It went, to, it, went to, it went to number five here. Five pop, R and B, um, adult contemporary, um, and um, number one in some places. Um, and that was a great that was a that was a great track. And me and George wrote that together. Okay, so now now what's it what's it like shooting a video? Because you're sitting there all of a sudden it's because you you were in, you were you know the third member of Wham, but now it's you and it has yeah. to be your it has to be it, your it, mug it, up front. It, it was interesting. I mean, you know, when I look back at the video and it was very English right. and very you know I did it at Brighton Beach and you know you you, you you work with what you got. Right. Okay. At that time, you know, so it is what it is. Um, you know, I would do it completely different today, but. Um, you know, it was fun. It was fun. Is it? I mean, it must be just weird to sit there and you know to see yourself in the video because you know you sit there and you're you're a musician and then all of a sudden the days the now the, 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 the was it your idea or did someone come and say here's the idea for the video? How well, does that know, work? You know, when you're working, you know, when you're working with um, video directors, you know, they have a storyboard and you sort of and tell them what you what you're thinking and you know, um, you know, you try to sort of work together and 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 a lot of times, um, you know. The artists have a good, a great idea of how they want it to be shot, and you know, at that at that particular time, um, you know, before it was number, you know, had I had a number one or number five before, it would have been quite different, you know, the, you know, after you do the next video, then you have more say, and and then you, you, you sort of, um, you know, 
you sort of can give more direction of what you're thinking about. You know. Now, now doing a solo, uh, doing the solo uh, project, you have you have all the responsibility, and any if there's any reviews, if there are bad reviews. It, it must be hurtful because it's what you love. If it's good reviews, it's great. But I think like anything, most creative people, we don't think about, you know, like when I did stand-up, you know, I could have 85, you know, 85 people out of 90 could love my act, but I would worry about the five. What is it like when you do your own project? Because now it's like, you know, it, it's was it hurtful at all? If you got any, like, because you know how people are. I mean, people no, write stupid reviews yeah, sometimes. Yeah, that, that, that didn't bother me. It never bothered me. I, I you know, you, you, you do the best you can do. And, and and like I said, it, it is what it is, and everybody's not going to like you. Everybody's not, you know, you can't, everybody's not going to, I mean, there's some people that don't like George. Right. Some people that don't like Elton. There's some people that don't like the best of the best. So, I mean, you um you do things from your heart, from your soul, and you, um you know, you give, and, you know, I'm appreciative of the people who like it, and the people who don't like it, well, you know, hey. Maybe next album. No, no. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's that's a good attitude. Now, with, with when you sat there with the video, did people start recognizing you? I mean, did it was and did people sit there and go, "Hey, you're that guy"? Because that's when you see it. And what is that like when people recognize you? Because like any of us, you know, it, it's it feels weird. I mean, I'm on radio, so they don't recognize yeah. me. But uh, for you, I mean, what was it like? Did people come up and say, "Oh man, we love your music"? Or yeah, yeah. People just people still come up to me and say that to me and say, "Oh, me and." Me and my wife got to we love that song. Heaven help me. Me and my wife got married to that song, and it's just great, you know. And people tell you that, and um, you know. It's, now, did you go on a solo tour to support that? Yeah, I was the opening act on the Faith tour for George, and then I came back out and played with George for two and a half hours. Really? Yeah. So that, that's you. You're double. You're double duty in double there. Double duty. Now, now, what's that? That must be a. That was great. But I mean, because I mean, you figure that's like it's all that frisbee that kept you in shape. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, you think it's it's like that's like because you're playing your opening set, which is probably forty minutes, and then you're gonna. So did did you sit there and they introduce you? Then you go back. I mean, that was to- it was great. But you, you changed clothes. Changed total. Totally. Really? Change clothes all over again, like another person. You know, it's funny. I, I, and looking back, I, I wondered, and I, I, I don't know if you ever think about this, but I wonder if people ever made the conclusion. I mean, if they were big George fans, they would know. But if, let's say, someone wasn't a huge George fan and went to the concert, I wonder if they would sit there and go, hey, that guy must have a twin <laughs> because you're changing. I think people knew. I think people could figure it out. You know? See, that's cool, though. That's something Because be I would bring him out. Okay. And I'd come back. Oh, and go, okay. And I'd come back and, you know. So you'd go back and change. Go back and change and go. Are you guys ready for George? No, you guys aren't ready. You know, so that would happen sometimes. Okay, now, now you also play with. I look at your list with Elton John. Uh, I mean, what's it like with? You have such a great list. I mean, you know, Frank Zappa, Tina Turner, Marvin Gaye, George Clinton, Annie Lennox, Edgar Winter. I mean, you you play with so, like a bunch of rock and roll Hall of Famers. What is that like going in? Especially because you you play with George a lot, and then you play on your own. When you go into say, let's say you go into play with Edgar Winter, uh-huh. who is. Com- Completely different completely than different. Elton, and it's you know and what a blast you know. that was. Yeah, so it's like so you what sit there. Blast. Do you sit there and before you go into a session like that, do you listen to like a lot of his music catalog? I always listen to Edgar Winter. Okay, man. so you All sit my there. Life. So how did Edgar Winter approach you? Um, I think I think his management they they called me and, uh, and actually the drummer Jonathan Moffat Sugarfoot. We did an album for for Edgar Winter and did did a couple of uh, did a couple of shows with him, and um, it was a blast. It was truly an honor and truly a blast. And what a what a, what a great guy, talented, very genius. And so you're playing, but now that, that's that's a lot harder than oh yeah. George. This is, this, is, this is a different kind of music. Man. So how do you get in the mind frame for that? I mean, you're a musician, but do you sit there and go, okay? Because I mean, that's what's cool. Because you're playing for. I mean, you look at this list. It's like you can't get more different than Marvin Gaye, Frank Zappa. Edgar Winter and Elton John. I mean, so it sits there. So you have to really, you must be very respected that they sit there and say, this guy can pull it off because you, it's, it's a long, it's a very vast, you know, yeah. diversity. Yeah. But I was like that as a kid. I loved all types of music, but I mean, you know, I grew up with, you know, uh, you know, you, you grew up with Elton John and you grew up with uh, Edgar Winters, you know, Frankenstein. I mean, who did, if you couldn't play Frankenstein when you're in, in junior high school, man, you may as well forget it. Yeah, that's I one mean, of the best. We, I've been playing that song since I was a kid. That's <laughs> one of those guitars. That's one of those guitar leads that, you know, I, I still listen to the radio on TV, on, on, in my car. You know, I, I listen to the classic rock and stuff like that. Yeah. But that's one of those songs when you hear the beginning, you have to keep it on. I mean, because it's just that, it's that opening longest, hook just it's one catches you. It's the longest songs ever. To, Is it? That, it's really long. You know, and um, it was just so much fun. 
It's so much fun. It was an honor to be able to, you know, from a kid playing that, you know, when you were in high school and you're, and then who knew that one day, 20 years after that, you'd be playing with the man himself. Now, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And now, what was it like playing with Elton John? Fantastic. I mean, because he's he's fantastic. What a what 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 a beautiful human being. When I first met Elton, um, when I first played with Elton. he saw me at a concert. He saw me at the Wham show, and so he uh, he um, he sent for me to come out and play with him. And it was, you know, they got a knock on the door, and I sort of, yeah, I thought, I, I thought, well, do I owe somebody some money? Dude? Right. <laughs> who, who is this guy? <laughs> and uh, you know, go out there and play with him, and it was it was beautiful. So you play with him in concert or in the studio? In the studio, and I played with him in the concert. We did um, "Don't Let the Sun Go Down." Chicago Stadium with George. Okay, yeah. so now, so so you go and then you go into the studio. Now, where did you record with him at? Um, in one of his studios, um, with um, Nick Kershaw. Okay, George. Um, what a, it was fantastic. So that must be I mean, rap, it was a Nikita. Okay, Nikita. That must be just so cool that you know Elton John is looking for you because I know you know when I think about Elton John, I still remember that album, his greatest hits, where he's got the white suit on and he's in front of the piano. And this is probably this is blue blue cover. This is probably because that's the first time I heard Saturday Night is All Right for Fighting, and this was probably in you know my older sister had it, so this is when I was younger. And he was, I mean, every song you listen to every song was amazing amazing and you sit there i mean yeah later you know his musical style changed you know now people see a more heavier elton john but and just because everyone gets older but it was just amazing that i mean every song and when you pick up and it's and even when there's greatest hits there's always like a flub or two on there but every song you listen to what a, what a, what, a, what a talent now what was it like playing with zappa because I, mean, I i play i play with zappa the, the, the Sort of Zappa's band, you know, Carlos Rios and Vinny. That's when I first met Vinny Cayuta. I didn't do any touring with Zappa or anything like that. It was more like a studio band, um, you know, and Navy Harris did SIR. And it, it, it wasn't long, but it, it, it was fun. I didn't go out on the road with him and record any stuff with him. Um, because at that time, I was really, um, I think I was still playing with Harvey Mason then. And that, that's what, this is before George. Okay. Uh, and, and, um, I was really interested in my solo, you know. So I'm looking to do things. I'm looking to sing. I'm looking to play. I'm looking to join a band. But but what great players? I mean, Vinny Cayuta and and Carlos Rio, who also played with on the Faith tour with me and George, um, and so that that was uh, it was beautiful. Now now you sit there and now you after after Wham, and you're sitting there playing around now you and you do your solo. And you have enjoying the writing now. This whole time, though, I mean, do you like? Uh, do you constantly write like all the time? Like, because I know, you know, some people they write and they don't. I mean, but then some people just I know just write, and they have so many songs that they'll they they'll never get to. But do you do you constantly write? I write a lot, but but I mean, during this time with Wham and George. In London, when I lived there a long time, I'm I'm constantly recording with Tina Turner. I'm constantly recording with Annie Lennox. I'm constantly I'm I'm working. I'm, I'm I'm doing a lot of different sessions and a lot of records at the same time, so you know on the down times when we're off when we're back off the road and I'm I was doing a lot of recording a lot of sessions. Now you live back in the states now. Yes. So what? When did you move back to the states and why did you did you decide that you had enough of Europe or or what happened? Um, I I, I actually I came back I came back for a while. And then I was supposed to go back on tour with George. I lost my passport, and something happened, and it didn't work out. So then I thought to myself, I've been gone for almost a long time, and my and I hadn't. I, my parents would come on the road and see it sometimes, but I'm my only child, and I'm thinking you've been gone for tw- over you know 20 years or something. You know, you need, you need, parents are not going to live forever. So um, it it was great to come back. It was great to come back and see, you know, see my parents before before they journey to the other side so and, did you move back to detroit no, no okay no, so no, you no. moved I, I i i i haven't been in detroit i haven't lived in detroit i can't even remember okay when i lived in detroit it must have been in the 70s early 70s because remember in 79 i was in belgium and i was already living in los angeles okay so now when you when you moved when you came back you came back to la i came back to la then i lived in hawaii now, what, how did you end up in Hawaii? Because that must have been uh, great. Um, I loved Hawaii. Well, I kept trying to figure out how can I get out of 
Los Angeles, but not go all the way to Japan, Australia, all the other places. Do I you love. just hate LA? Is that what it is? No, or? no, no. I, 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 I like the world. Okay, so you. See. I like the world. I like to be traveling. I, I like to go different places. So again, I went to Hawaii and started learning Hawaiian music and and played with about ten or eleven bands there and and loved it, loved it. It was like um, it was it was beautiful. Now, how did how did you? decide where to live in Hawaii because there's all those islands um, I, in, I, I went to Maui okay I went to Maui um, I, I, I was in LA one, one night and I was, I was staying up in the Hollywood Hills and we, um, with a friend of mine and uh, at this grand, grand piano in the living room but the living room was upstairs it was a, it was a, it was a big place so the piano was like on the, the, the first floor but I lived on the third floor. Okay. Okay. And about four o'clock in the morning, I heard um, heard somebody playing the piano. So I went upstairs, and you know, there's all these people sitting around playing the piano. And I met these people, and they said they were from Hawaii. And the guy, the guy knew who I was. He said, "Oh, Dion Estes." He said, "Wow, man, I'm, I'm recording the album in, in, in Hawaii, and you gotta come." And I said, "Oh, I don't know about Hawaii, man. I really don't know." He said, "Listen, we'll pay you, fly you over there." And they did. And I stayed for about three, three and a half, four years. So you stayed in Hawaii, yep. and now you're playing with different bands. Playing with different bands and, in Hawaii. And were you doing session work with different I, bands? Session work, playing, gigging, and, 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 and you know, um, beautiful in, 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 the, in the rainforest, in the jungle. It, it's fantastic. And it, was, it, it gave me peace of mind. Okay. It was totally different from Los Angeles because you can sort of shake that, that you know, the concrete off. You know, and, and, and sort of be free and sort of get back into yourself. So I, I, that's what I loved about Hawaii. And so you're in Hawaii, and now when, why do you decide to leave Hawaii? Well, you know, after about three years, I started getting island fever. Okay, so what, what is island fever? You just... Island fever is when, you know, you've been there for a long time. And to be quite honest, when you're playing with everybody, in, in, you know, and you've done that, then, you know, you're rested. Your spirit is good. You feel great. Now it's time to get get back out and let, 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 let's hit the road again. So you come back to L.A. And so you're sitting there coming back from Hawaii and playing with all these Hawaiian musicians. And now what, what do you do when you get back to L.A. then? Do you sit there and say, I got to play with these people? Because you have a good name and people know you. Do you sit there and then now all of a sudden you have to get away from Hawaiian music, which must have been well, ingrained. It's, it's still my home. I mean, I love it there. I love Hawaii, man. I, I got a lot of love for Maui and uh, you know, um, I, I love all my friends there, and I, and I miss them, and uh, I'm, I'm sure I'll go back soon. Um, you know, and, and I, want, I wanted to do other things, you know. It's like some things you can, you can only do so many things in Hawaii. Right. You know, the music industry is here. <laughs> and so, you know, if you, you want to play, you want to do sessions, you want to put some things together, I had to come back here. And so you came back now. Who did you start playing with when you came back? Um, I just, I, I've been basically working on solo stuff. So you come back and now you sit there and you've, you've, and you've worked with all these people and now you're going to sit there and concentrate on the solo stuff. Yeah. So how, how does someone, con I mean, when you sit there, do you, do you, are you concentrating? I mean, what kind of music are you going to play? Because you have so many different, you've been in so many different kinds of music. What Whatever is the music? Comes up. What is the music? But what is the music? Like, what is the music you want to play? I, I like, um, I like I like I like dance music. I, I like R and B. Um, but I'm really I'm really a pop artist. I like pop. I mean uh, now some of the things might not always sound pop. They might sound like something else. But um, I I like great songs, great lyrics, and, and something that's meaningful. You know. So you know I've been writing. I have a lot of songs. How many would you say? Oh, I don't know. Thousands. Not over th the years. Over the years. Over the years. Over the years. Yes. Yes. And some of those songs, when you look back and I go back and, and check them out, I go, wow, that's really cool. So it's, um, and because I've only had one album here, I had a, I had an album in, um, in London okay. before, like a, um, like a mini album. And no one's ever heard that here. And um, so I, I, think, I think when you collect all these songs, and um, I knew that one day I would be in the position to, okay, great, we're going to go back and we're going to do this, we're going to do that. So that's basically where I'm at now. So it's, you know, this album, it's all sort of like a, it's almost like a double album. Okay. There's a lot of stuff going on with it, but I'm also working, going to work with a lot of different people as well. So. Well, I think it'd be interesting because you say when you go back and you look at a song you wrote 20 years ago, 
you're you're the you're a completely different person than you were 20 years ago but it must be great because you can probably take that song and interpret it to where you are now in life do you do that yeah well i mean some of the some of the songs i mean no one's ever heard some of these songs i mean i did a lot of masters and a lot of full records in like when i was in ireland that i'll release now that are, that are right where i wanted to be it's, it's perfect it's still beautiful it's still fantastic and uh you know, and that sound you can I I could never create that sound again unless I was in unless I was there. Okay. Now when you when you're recording you're recording now, now how do you pick the musicians to play with you? I mean, do you sit there and say, is it someone says, hey, because now it's different because you can find stuff on the internet. It's not like before. Like, I always, always hear bands would have, like, ba- the, the musician magazines and say drummer needed. Well, I, I know so many people now. You know, I just, you know, after years of experience and playing with some of the best players in, in, on the planet, you know, I just say, hey, I, I, if I write this song, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, oh, let's call him, let's call And that's basically the way it is. And now you're recording now. I'm not recording now. I'm about to start recording again. I've recorded some things already. So I have a lot already that's done. But now what I'll do is collaborate with people, call different people, get together, and then put that together. And so the, the whole the master plan is to have, uh, I, I still call them CDs. It's so funny. I call them albums. Like we had said earlier. And that's how I do call them albums. But yeah. a lot of people go, what the hell's an album? And then, because me and my girlfriend were talking about that. It's like back then, you know, we had an album and it was like, it was, like, it's personal, yeah, and your but your, if your brother had an album or your sister had an album, it was like the community album because you know you could go and could take it. Yeah. And now kids, they don't. I mean, no one listens to you know ten songs, and you know it, that's one thing about albums and CDs. There was always those tracks that were never played on the radio, but they were the classic ones. And then you got word of mouth, and then you know yeah, no one knew it, but you yeah. knew it, you know. And and so so for now, how many how many songs will you put on a CD or whatever we call it when it, when you decide to put it together? Well, it just, it just, I mean, the whole collection will probably be about 20 songs, but you, you, you know, the way people market songs today, it just depends on how it's marketed. That's the most important thing, how you market and how you, uh, how you go about the promotion. Um, you know, people like to listen to singles and, and so, but because I'm doing a lot of things with charities and a lot of different things, it's just, you know, good to see, you know, because you know, you're in a different place now. You want to, you want to help the world you know become a better place and do your bit before you leave so i attach a lot of songs now to to charities and things that you know that um that that, that makes sense now are you involved with a lot of charity work i'm doing i'm doing some things with with, with charity i've always been involved you know we've, we've done everything from right live aid to i mean what what happened what haven't i been involved in but um now um there's some there's a few things that um that are coming up that i i like to you know, um, use my music for those for those things. How do you choose a charity? I mean, is there something that it's a, it's a, something that you sit there as a as a world problem, or is it something that's something that's personal to you, or, or both? Well, I, I guess it's both. I mean, so many times, you know, you, you know, we 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 um we do things for the world, and, and you know, but when you think about when you think about charities and things, I mean, just right here in America. You know, there's a lot of things going on where a lot of people need a lot of help. And um, right here at home, you don't really have to go to Haiti. Right. You don't have to go over there. You know, I mean, you, it's good, too. I mean, you know, I, I feel for that, too. But there's there's a lot of things that are happening right here in America that, that need to be addressed. And um, so I'm, I'm looking at those things. And, you know, and all you can do is sort of pick the ones that you like and, and, and you know, and do your research on them and, and, and try to try to help. Now we have, we have a few minutes left. Now, now, do you do you get up and gig live anymore? Are you are you doing that at all? Or do you miss that? Or oh, I I I love playing, man. I love playing live. Um, you know, um, sometimes I go out and play, but not a lot, not a lot. And that's you know, because because when I go out, I want to go. Right. I want to go, man. And uh, but sometimes you know, I you know, I've done little gigs and stuff like that. But I don't do too much, um, too many small gigs. Um. I have friends that I get together with, sort of like every weekend, and we have a studio and we get together and jam and have fun. And, that must be great because you're just fun. sitting there. It's like you know each other, and yeah. it's it's not like you don't have to worry about anyone showing up, and you just sit there and you can. And I know I know a lot of musicians that do that. Like yeah. they sit there, they just go, and it's like it's like a Sunday. It's like, hey, what are you doing today? Yeah. Instead of saying, hey, you want to go see a movie? Hey, come on over and jam. Yeah, we yeah, come over. Yeah. See, that's cool. Now, when you jam with other people, do you sing? Or do you play bass? Or what do you? Or do you I, play piano? Or what do you do? Um, I play bass, and you know, but. But 
I mean, I think for the last last year, for the last 11, 12 months, you know, I got a few partners, and every Saturday and Sunday, we get together, and we write. We've been writing. We record. Okay. We, we'll, somebody will start something, and we'll do it, and we'll try to finish it and make a song out of it, and we just do that all the time. See, that's cool. That's, that's what's cool about musicians. You guys just chill. I mean, you hang out. It's like you can hang out, and you can play. You can just have fun, and you can just sit there, and, and it's and it's because you have studios, and you guys all have you know your instruments. It's not like you know young kids going, oh, where are we going to play? You know, like when, you, when you're younger, practicing yeah. in your basement. Yeah. Now yeah. you can just sit there and go, hey, I'm going to come over, and I'm going to play. And, then, and the best thing is you can record it. Yeah. Now, is recording easier now than it used to be? Because with all the technology, is it just easier to happen with all the... the... Well, well, everybody everybody seems to have a studio in their home. Okay. But I, I mean, you know, um, the, you know, I still love the, the great engineers and, the, you know, uh, because those, you know, like the old days, those guys, you know, they know what they're doing, they have it together. And I'm still very much like that. I mean, you can record at home, but I'd rather have somebody else do it. I don't like to think about it. I just like to create. You know, I like to walk in and just start playing. You know, and let and let the let the guys record who you know what they, if they know what they're doing, then great. Now, now I know I know your your video is still on YouTube. No, oh. no, it, it's on, and because I looked at it, and uh, it's, it's just because you have to do that. And and now now your 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 album CD, the first one you you right. the one released, can people still find that? I mean, if you, yeah, it, people still people are still buying it. Okay, now, now where people, do they? Is, is it on iTunes or where do you know? It's not. I don't know if it's on iTunes. I don't. I don't think so. But I'm um, I'm in the process of um, of getting all that back. Okay. So you know, I'll probably get it back because I would like to own me. So you know, it's always good to to get those things back and then release them again. <laughs> and now, now if 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 I put up like if I go home and I watch the the, the Wham videos, I'm going to see you. Yeah, if you see you watch Wake Me Up before you go go. Watch I'm Your Man. I'm in all those videos. See, that must be cool. I mean, I mean and okay, we have just a few minutes. Your hair. Okay, when's the last time you got your hair cut? Because it's amazing. It's it's so well, long. Know, well, I had, bra- I had um, you know, since Wham, I had I had, I had the braids. Now it's just a, a big, thick dread. You know, I thought after, after George and Wham, I just let it just do its thing. So I don't really don't have too much to do to it. It just does it except clean it. Um, it just does it. It does its own thing. Is it heavy? I mean, it, it is heavy. I mean, I mean, it's not heavy to me, but if you lift it up, you would say it's heavy. Yeah, because I just when I was I, we were taking the picture, I was like, oh my god! So every day, like if if, if you got yeah, if you cut that off, you have my neck would probably yeah, you have it. You know, like the African the African woman with the rings. You take those rings. <laughs> <laughs> so now, now, where can people uh, f- uh, can they find info on you? I'm just com, you know, or just just Google me. It's on Dion. What's on the website? Just, um, just, just some, um, you know, just, you know, I, I, I think, um, you know, just things that I do, charity stuff like that. Um, you know, if it's, if it's, um, you know, um, I think I'm about to get a new website soon. So, you know, yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for coming on, All and right, uh, so yeah, people me. check his website out, and also go. Even though he's not going to want you to go, go on, go to YouTube, and you can see he can see him singing the the song, and uh, heaven help me. Yes, you can see that if you and the video is up, people. You can go, and it, it's cool because you know you can see when videos were actually cool and played, which they aren't anymore. So yeah, so I want to thank you. Uh, so yeah, so check him out, please. Also, people, you can follow me on Twitter. You got to start tweeting, Dion. Oh. You got to start tweeting. Just because it's good, tweeting's good. Yes, it uh, is. Follow me on Twitter. It's at Cooper Talk. At Cooper Talk, I always tweet a lot of stuff. I try to tweet some jokes. Um, go to my website, CooperTalk.net. I have about three hundred and thirty-five or so episodes up. Um, you can send me an email. Tell me some guests you would like to hear. That's Cooper at CooperTalk.net. Also, if you go to iTunes or Stitcher, just type in Cooper Talk. That's one word. And also. Uh, Coming up, I'm going to tell you about it to get ready for it. Uh, the website, StopTheSalt.com. My my book, I should be getting the, the copy back this week sometimes. And we're going to put that on Amazon. I'll give you more info, but you want to start checking that out. Just start going over there, StopTheSalt.com. And it's a great, my uh, low-sodium cook, cooking for one without killing yourself. It's going to be on Amazon. You can buy it. And also, I'll be setting up a website where you can buy it from me. And that's about it. Also, uh, listen to these other uh 
affiliates I played on because they're all great guys. We have uh, allradiox.com. Brody James runs a great station over there. Steve Benz at WSDICHicago.com. A hell of a guy. The guys, Arvin and his friends at rantradio.com. Check that out. The 405media.com. That's a great station. And this weekend, I'll be start playing on a Wildfire Radio out of my area, South Jersey. So check all them out. Wildfireradio.com. I'll be playing Saturday nights at 7. Check them out. So yeah, that's it. Follow me on Twitter at Cooper Talk. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. You guys have a great weekend. And